This is Amber Barnes of Conscious Capitalism Northern Nevada, and you're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry is the wealth protection diva and CEO of Sage International Inc., a leading provider of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies. Celebrating 24 years in business, Sage International is proud of the consistent role they play in supporting the economic engine driving this country, small business, the backbone of America. And now, here's Sherry. How do you spell relief? H-U-M-O-R. It's a proven fact that you cannot be stressed or angry when you're laughing. Humor is the great social lubricant that helps us function more effectively. My guest, Ron Culbertson, author, speaker, and humorist, is here to share why humor is one of the most underutilized tools in business today, and if embraced, can unlock its riches for those who seek to tap its power. After this short break, we'll begin our journey to prove that fun is not the opposite of work, but that fun and work go hand in hand. We'll be right back. If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated, a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 23 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. Today, we're here to talk about the tool of humor, the tool that makes life worth living, work more fun, and money fly into your business. My guest, Ron Culberson, author, speaker, and humorist, has been studying and teaching the benefits of humor since 1984. He believes that there is more to humor than a punchline, and that when coupled with a foundation of excellence, humor can help us manage stress, reduce conflict, become more creative, improve problem solving, and ultimately achieve a higher level of productivity and contentment in life and work. So please check out his website, ronculberson.com. So Ron, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Sherry. You speak all over the world about do it well, make it fun. So please share with us your concept of how to pursue excellence and fun in both our work and personal lives. So the easiest way I've ever determined to explain this is if you've ever had a boss that was really good at what he or she did but was fun to be around, you really didn't mind going to work. Um, it's it's a sort of this magic combination. You respect the person because they're really good at their job or they have good skills, but you enjoy being around them because they're fun. And when you put those two together, I think what happens is, is it creates a, an environment or a culture where excellence and fun can coexist and it just creates a better workplace. And uh, I think it was Herb Kelleher for CEO of Southwest Airlines that one time said that if work was more fun, it would feel less like work. And I think that's kind of been my goal my whole life is that I want to I want to have a job that I enjoy doing rather than just uh, generating a paycheck. You know, anytime you own a business, certainly I've I've had to dig into the humor barrel many times to see me through some pretty tough times. So a lot of what you work on, because I know you you speak all over the world and you obviously work and do training in companies. How big of a shift do some organizations have to go through to realize that they can create a culture that is more fun and light? 
Well, I, I think it's a huge shift. And, and, and to be bluntly honest, I think most people don't really put the time or energy into trying to do this. There's just so much pressure and the speed of work these days is so fast that, that really people people see this as a distraction sometimes rather than a benefit. But uh, I was just reading an article earlier today where there are just so many, so many proven benefits to work contentment and an engaged workforce and a relaxed and stress-free uh, staff that, you know, I think, it, I think it behooves a lot of organizations to really think about this. But the, the bottom line is, is that it does take a little effort. You do have to put a little bit of energy and focus on it. And when I, when I talk about do it well, make it fun, this, this kind of came out of my uh, work in quality improvement in healthcare. I was a hospice social worker and I moved up the food chain up to a senior leader and was doing quality improvement. And what really struck me about quality improvement is that everything we do is a process. Everything in our work and our personal life, if you want to take it in that direction, is a process. And if you look at everything you do as a process, then you have the potential of breaking the processes in our life and work down into steps. So let's take this call, for example. So this started a few few weeks ago when you said, would you like to be on the, the call? And there were several steps in the process that led up to the point we're in right now. So if you decided you wanted to change this process or you either you're stressed out by it or it's boring or dull or you just you just don't like doing it, then you start breaking down the process into steps and go, okay, where can I have an impact on the process by changing the steps? And w- with my perspective, I usually tell people the two options. I'm always looking for, can I make it better? In other words, make the process better somehow, or can I make it more fun? So if it's something I have to do and it's not something I can change really, I have to do it, then I'm going to look at how do I make it more fun? That's going to be my approach. If it's something I have to do and it's something I don't necessarily like to do, then how can I do it in a way that's more enjoyable so that the process itself doesn't wear me down? And I imagine that you're a big hit when you walk into the you know CEO of an organization and say, I'm going to make your people laugh more. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny how like the first question I almost always get from frontline staff is, are you talking to the managers about this too? <laughs> right. They, they kind of get it. They get it. But a lot of times, I think when we get into positions of leadership, we're so overwhelmed or we're burdened by the responsibilities that we have. Sometimes it's hard to see that balance. But I'll tell you, it's it's amazing when you walk into an organization where the leaders get it. I just did a program a few weeks ago for, of all places, a, a government agency. It was the U.S. District Court System in North Carolina. And it was the court clerk's office, which are the people that run the administrative side of the court. They're not the judges or the lawyers. They're the, they're the people that run the, the organization that, that's behind all of that. Um, and this guy just gets it. I mean, he understands the importance of having a good time while you work, but getting the work done and doing a great job. And he's got a very committed staff of people. They love working for him. They love him. He's very laid back. He doesn't get caught up in things that aren't important. The key, I think, is He's not sacrificing integrity by allowing his employees to have a good time. And I think somehow we think that if you're having fun, you must not be working. I just look at, you know, the evolution of the workplace and now everyone's attached to a computer staring onto a screen. And certainly individually we're sent jokes or humorous things, but it's just like one-on-one. How are you encouraging people to get offline and instill fun and humor and, you know, just a a better culture to interact with each other. How are you unplugging people? (laughs) 
Yeah, I think the easiest way to, to, to look at this, uh, or should I say apply this, that I've found is in things that people are just, that have to do in the work environment that, that maybe uh, when you think about it, you, you, it's not always the most enjoyable, but it's something that, that's inherent in the business. So let's take meetings, for instance. I, there was a study that was done about 30 years ago where they surveyed people all across the country in a variety of different jobs, and 85% of them said they hated meetings. Now, I don't think most people would disagree with that. Most of us don't like meetings because, A, we feel like it's taking us away from the work we need to be doing, and B, we don't feel like the productive use of our time. And so I, whenever I ran a meeting, when I was working in, a, in a, what I would call a real job, I always felt like I was at a disadvantage if I was running a meeting because people didn't really want to be there. So I looked at it as a game. I really looked at it as a challenge. I wanted my meetings to be the ones that everybody wanted to go to. So that means for me, I've got to change the way I do it. So I always started with a little bit of humor, something just to relax people, get us in a different mindset, kind of leave your stress at the door. Uh, when we had discussions or when we had debates, I often would turn those into either competitions or games, ways that would take us out of the sort of the work, the feeling of work and more into this can be fun and still be productive. And, and what I found was by changing a few things throughout the process of the meeting, the meetings were more productive. We were spending less time on things that weren't necessary and people didn't mind being there. And, and so I figured I've got, a, I've got a more invested group of people if I make the experience worthwhile. And so, so everything in the work environment can be looked at that way if we're willing to take the time and see it as a, as a challenge to overcome. Well, how do you deal with people? I mean, certainly there, you know, there's always the one in the room, especially when you work in a larger organization, the fun suckers or the negative Nelly. And right, so is right. that something that's going to help you in management to go, well, you know, we, we've got to have people in our, in our work culture that get it and, and do want to have fun. So is that an eye-opening experience for some? Well, I think you've always, you're always going to have the naysayers and you're going to always have the people that for whatever reason, their DNA is just going to be negative. They're just going to be always looking at the wrong side of the coin. Now, if you back up a few steps, the key in most organizations would be to never let those folks in the door in the first place. So if you have a good process of hiring where you're using ways of kind of getting at how people approach things in addition to the types of skills they bring to the table, then hopefully you can you can avoid too many of those folks. Um, but, you know, you may have inherited them if you're a manager and you've just been promoted or something. You may inherited them from people that are already there. I, I'm a big believer in the fact that you just have to keep going and hopefully win these folks over a little bit at a time. I had a boss that didn't really buy into this stuff at first, and I would bring in articles and I would show her how research has shown that this is beneficial. And, I, you know, I don't think she ever totally bought it, but she didn't necessarily get in the way of my working on things the way I did. As long as I was being productive and doing what I needed to do, she, she really didn't get in my way. Um, and then, you know, and sometimes people just may not come along for the ride, and that's okay. Um, you know, I've always said that sometimes people like that are going to just find that maybe this isn't the right fit for them, move on to something else. Uh, but I think you can also win people over if you show them the practical value in some of these things. You know, I actually went and took improv classes and and spent, I think, three out of my 12 years in Toastmasters working on humorous speeches just right. to get me out of my comfort zone. Even though naturally I'm witty and funny, but it's it's a whole different thing. So... How are you encouraging the top leaders 
to actually find their funny bone? That's a, that's a good question. Now, I just want to say one thing about the improv, because I think that's a really good point, is that improv, the principle of improv is and, as opposed to but. So somebody offers you something in an interaction, in a skit, you don't resist it, but you take it and run with it. And I think that's such a such a wise course of action. Um, I, got, I got a chance to see the director of one of the Cirque du Soleil shows, and he said that's the way Cirque du Soleil works, is when they go into a room to create a new show, no one ever resists the ideas. Instead of saying we can't do that, they always go, how would we do that? So I think with leaders, what I try to help them understand is that they want to create a work environment where people want to work. Because if they have a, a culture in their organization where people want to work, they will recruit the best people and they will keep the best people. So the Zappos of the world, the Googles of the world, the Southwest Airlines of the world are companies where they understand that the culture that they have is just as important as the products they deliver. And so they, wanna, they want people in that environment that fit the culture, can contribute to the culture, and, and support that kind of culture. And so a leader that has that kind of congruence in the organization, I think, will find that they're much more productive because they're not dealing with, um, you know, a lot of resistance and a lot of conflict because they've got a, a group of people that buy into what, what's going on there. So it's just helping them see, see that, that positivity that can happen. Great. Ron, we have to go to a quick break. When we come back, though, I want to continue on this great conversation we're having about you know, helping people, I hope, lighten up. We'll be right back. SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening combined. Attention all residents of Northern Nevada. This is a high heat alert. Temperatures will be in the high 90s and 100s for an extended period of time. Call SunTech Solar Screening to block the sun and heat from your windows. Now back to our commercial. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. SunTech solar screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech Solar Screening for a free estimate. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening. As a speaker, humorist, columnist, and author of Do It Well, Make It Fun, Ron Culberson helps people in mission-driven organizations become more successful by pursuing excellence while making the work experience more enjoyable. Ron is a certified speaking professional and a member of the CPAE Speaker Hall of Fame. Ron offers hilarious keynote addresses, training programs, coaching, and humor writing. His website, ronculberson.com. Ron, I know one of the most important things I've learned is that laughter has the power to make us kinder to one another. When we're able to laugh together at ourselves, it truly brings us to a higher state of consciousness. Yeah, I think that's true. I think uh, one of the things that I've really immersed myself in in the past six months is to really study and understand mindfulness more. I think it's something that I, uh, you know, knew a little bit about, but really didn't didn't get into. And I've I've really started looking at that. And one of the things I think is is a part of mindfulness is to be present in the moment and just really deal with the reality of the moment. And when we're not wanting to be kind, or we have an, a you know a reaction or somehow resistance to another person, oftentimes it's based on a message we're telling ourselves in our head that may not be based on the reality of what's going on. So someone 
says something and we misinterpret it or we read more into it and then we react. Um, but I think being present and really attending to the person and the other, where they may be coming from, really opens us up to, to be kinder. And that, that's an element of humor. Humor is very much based in the moment, that when we can step back and not get defensive and caught up in the negative side of things, but instead see some of the more positive, we're much more likely to go down that ra- road of, of being kinder and gentler and, and not so intense. Um, and there's, there's a lot of different studies psychologically that, that get at different elements. This is one of the hardest things to study because oftentimes we can study laughter, but, but humor has such an interpretive um, aspect to it that sometimes it gets a little, a little sticky trying to tease out what causes what. But I think there's just a lot of positive um, research out there about the benefits of, of laughter and humor in, in just about any kind of situation. Absolutely. And, and we all find different things funny for whatever reason. But I think your overall premise is to really bring forth the fact that in our personal lives and our professional lives, that having a humor, watching a funny TV show or reading a funny book or the comics or whatever it is, that you just have to do something. Why do you find that people have such a hard time lightening up? Well, I think it's, I think it's kind of in our nature, and I think it's a little bit of a cultural impact as well. I think, uh, uh, by the way, uh, uh, the irony is not lost on me that when we analyze humor, neither one of us are funny at all, but we'll get to that another time. <laughs> but... Um, I think I think our natural tendency is to be a little negative. I mean, just watch a conversation and watch how quickly someone, even talking about the weather, you know, they'll say it's a beautiful day, but it's so hot. I was somewhere the other day, I was in Florida, actually, in a group, and they were saying it's so hot outside, but then they come inside and it's so cold in the air conditioning. It's right. like, it's a no-win situation. But um, I think it's our natural tendency, but then we live in a culture where um, negativity gets the news. You know, that's what's going to get the headline is whatever's negative. The positive stuff often does not hit the news or it's buried in the the 12th page of the newspaper or at the end of the newscast. And so we have a little bit of a natural tendency to do that, and then that's reinforced through our our culture. And I think it's just a hard sell time sometimes for people to, to break out of that. But I think it's also habits that we create and have created over time. And the neural pathways in our brain have gotten into a almost a knee-jerk reaction to be that way. So what that means is we have to retrain ourselves to create new habits. So if two or three times a day you commit to finding something funny that makes you laugh, whether it's online or on TV or in a book or in a car- in a magazine or in the cartoons in the newspaper, whatever whatever turns you on, if you two or three times a day you just committed to that, you would start to see, I think, the processes in the brain change a little bit so that we would start to see more humor in the world start to see things a little more positively because we're exposing ourselves to it. And the more we expose ourselves to it, it changes, it changes the brain chemistry a little bit, but it also changes the the way we see things. Well, and you, you come out of the healthcare industry. And so I'm sure, and people that, you know, later stages in life. And I'm sure that those that continued to laugh lived a, a longer uh, more relaxed life than those that were hating every moment of where they were. Yeah, I think I think you can boil it down to the fact that the people that just dealt with the reality of their situation in a balanced way. Um, so, so when we used to work with grieving people after someone had died, you know, there was a great quote that I'm I'm not going to butcher it probably because it, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it said something to the effect of when we allow ourselves to grieve and we experience it and we neither ignore it or revere it, we get through grief better. And 
other words, if we just deal with the reality of what we're going through, um, you know, we tend to deal with it better. And the reality is that even in tragic situations, even when someone is seriously ill or someone is grieving, funny funny things happen in the midst of that. I'm not talking about laughing at their situation, but I mean, every single day in my work in hospice care, something funny would happen. And when I was with a patient or a family and they were able to sort of enjoy that moment for what it was, rather than thinking, oh, if I laugh, I'm being disrespectful, or the fact that they were so caught up in what was going on, they couldn't laugh. If they could just say, hey, something funny happened, we're going to enjoy that, and then we'll get back to dealing with the reality of the situation. Those were the folks, I believe, that really coped better. They were able to deal with it up front um, and, and didn't deny it, but also embrace whatever came along. Pulling this back now into where you spend a lot of time working with organizations and doing trainings and your public speaking, of course. We understand that the foundation of disease is stress and how to right. relieve stress in the work environment. Right, right. And I think that's the key is is that the least stressed out your employees are, the more content they'll be, the, the, the less trouble they'll cause, but also the more productive they'll be. I think if people enjoy what they're doing, they tend to want to do more of it. I mean, I know that when I'm excited about something and when I'm involved in it, invested in it, I, I'm, I do a better job because I'm, I'm fulfilled in what I'm doing and I want to be, I want to create a good product. So I think that's just a natural tendency for most of us. Absolutely. Well, and in the world, I'm in the world of sales and marketing and of course, you know, building relationship as are all people in business. And I have used humor in a lot of my conversations to really lay a foundation for building that relationship. It's we can find common ground through laughter. Yeah. Yeah. As as you said in the intro, it it has been referred to as a social lubricant. And what I think happens is, is that if you encounter someone with a sense of humor, they just come across as more human. Whereas on the other hand, if they're uptight and they're kind of stiff and sticking to the policy, it's like when you call customer service and you get somebody that has a little bit of a lighter attitude, you feel like they're a real human that you're talking to as opposed to a robot. Absolutely. And and I had that experience yesterday. My, my dad, I had to, he's in, um, he came out of the hospital and he's in, you know, skilled nursing for, for a few days to get him back on track. And I had to call, believe it or not, the Social Security Administration. And the guy was delightful. And it was like, you know, our conversation was only, you know, 10 minutes long. But through the process, he was just really nice and helpful. And I even told him that. And so, you know, when you least expect it, sometimes just that, you know, when you're in a serious situation, somebody on the other end can do things in a way that it's just like, wow, life can be a lot easier. So, um, yeah, you know, I was I was lost one day in a mall trying to find a building, and I was I was circling the mall three times trying to trying to find this one store. So I pulled up to a security guard and I said, "How do I get to, to this store?" And he goes, "I'd recommend a car." Oops. And I just, you know, I, I burst out <laughs> laughing because, you know, I just thought that's so funny. And what was what was ironic about it was when I laughed, he said, "Do you know how many people I say that to?" And they get mad at me, and I thought, "How sad." That people, they get so uptight about about something that then they then they can't find uh, the enjoyment of somebody just trying to share a little bit of humor. Absolutely, and you know, all of us in our own in our own right are funny, 
I mean, life is funny. And certainly, like you say, there are times where the situation is not humorous, but it's all about attitude, right? <laughs> right. That's absolutely right. So you travel all over the world. You speak. Give me just one final thought that you want our our listeners to understand. I think it's all about balance. For years, used to do programs on humor in the workplace. And then when when the economy tanked in the late 2000s, when when things were really rocky for a lot of people, what I found is a lot of organizations really needed humor, but they couldn't justify throwing any money at it. And uh, and I'm sure a lot of organizations and businesses suffered during that time. But, but to me, it's about balance, and that's where I really focus more on this combination of do it well, make it fun. It's not about just fun. It's not about just humor. It's about doing both. It's about doing a great job, whatever you pursue, but then making the journey or the experience more enjoyable. And when you combine those two, it really it really can be magic because you're still accomplishing something significant, uh, but, but the process is enjoyable. And that is a book you have written, Do It Well, Make right. It Fun, which I'm sure is available on your website. Yep, and on Amazon. All right, so you'd want to go to ronculberson.com. You got a great blog. I enjoyed really reviewing and getting ready to uh, have this conversation with you. And I just, I really like your, your track and what you're doing out there. And it's very positive. So thank you on behalf of um, man and womankind. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> It's always nice. You never put it out there. You never know how it hits, but I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate your having me on the show. Great. So laughter makes life easier. It allows us to see the absurdity of it all and gives our brains a vacation and a reality check. All in all, being in good humor keeps life simpler, lighter, and more humane. And remember, I always say life is short, so wear your party pants and go have some fun. All right, Ron, thank you. We'll catch up another time. Cherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for the Sherry Hill Show.